0: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government
1: Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service Livestock podcast. This podcast is designed to give producers up-to-date information on all things relating to livestock. It's been funded jointly through the Farm Advisory Service Animal Welfare Programme and also the Veterinary Advisory Service. So a big thanks to Scottish Government for their support. Hello and welcome to this Livestock Podcast. I'm Robert Ramsey and today I'm joined by Alwyn Jones from SRUC Vets in St Boswell's and by Leslie Wiley who's a beef specialist with SEC Consulting's Livestock team. So hello to you both. Hello. Hi Robert. Alwyn, we'll go to you first. Um, so in the Vet Lab, what, what are you seeing this month? You know, what, what's been coming in? What's What's been of interest recently?
0: Yeah, so the... the um... I think the most topical thing at the moment is lungworm in that um there has been uh qu- quite a lot of reports of of severe lungworm um in obviously in cattle out grass um you know throughout the country and and also from from the apha labs in in england and wales as well so lungworm is is um still very much um a problem at the moment um and, and this is something that everybody really should be aware of you know people with with cattle out their grass and actually if they've just housed as well you know they should they should still bear um bear long worm in mind because you know the, the um, they um they could they could have the um Obviously larvae could have been ingested while they were on pasture and, and now they're manifesting, you know, disease. Now they're causing pneumonia while they're housed. So things like um classically cattle cough. Coughing is a classical science. You know, in severe cases they might be they might be standing with their with their necks outstretched, you know, because that that's the sort of thing you see with severe cases. Um and it, and it can also affect, you know, their their um th- their, their growth rate, so they can be a, a bit ill thriven with it as well, you know. So, yeah, lungworm lung is, 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 is definitely the thing that we're most concerned at the moment. And here at the lab in St Bostock, so we have had quite a few cases through the post-mortem room.
1: Um, it, it's interesting, I know there's some people that there's a school of thought out there that parasites would be less of an issue this year with it having been drier. But it sounds yeah. like from what you're saying there certainly from a lungworm perspective, we're not, we can't get complacent. And the, the same, you know, that seasonal issue of lungworm at this stage is obviously as bad this year, if, if not worse than ever.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably and probably and it's likely the reason is because it's, it's been quite a dry summer and then we've had this, then this more recent wet weather. I think that has resulted in a, in almost a rush of, of larvae on on pasture, you know, so, um, and I think that's probably what, what what's happening this year. That's why we're seeing so many cases. Um, yeah, and but so, some some in some situations it's, it's been pretty severe, to be honest with you. And and you know as well as you know, I should prob- also say in addition, sometimes animals will just you know be found dead with really, the if 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 they, if you get a, a large number of larvae you know migrating at the same time, you know that can cause a very severe pneumonia and really in some cases those animals might not even be seen to be sick they'll just be found dead in which case you know those if you get any dead calves and I, I would highly you know obviously this is what we do but i, I would highly recommend them post-mortem you know because it's a really good way of of um of kind of establishing what's going on really and a very cost effective way as well you know because 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 we can run a, a Whole suite of tests, you know, for one price really, on 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 post mortem cases. So it's a good way, of, as well as you know, rolling in or out. Long we can rule out a whole thing, whole host of other diseases as well. It's a much better
1: way of doing it than. Um,
0: well, it's, it's, it's often better than than testing individual animals, you know, when they're alive.
1: It's interesting as well. I think historically we would test, you know, we would post mortem the third or the fourth death, you know, the, or or wait until we, there was a more apparent problem but you know post-mortem in the first one yeah definitely is, is definitely the one that can save the second third and fourth one eh, particularly if it's something as easy as as lungworm you know lungworm treatment eh, isn't you know it's, it's not a the most complex of, of issues to deal with really is it
0: yeah no no you can um no so if you if you if you suspect lungworm or you know if you've got it confirmed on some some testing whether it's post-mortem or testing in the live animal and faecal samples and yet that the, you've got a lot of choices um, and at the moment there's very little if any resistance um, documented to you know so all three groups of of warmers are effective against lungworm you know so you've got um, you've got a range of choices there Yes,
1: and there's no fear in that one, you know. If well, if there's no resistance, we can go. Price can be the biggest driver. We can go with the cheap stuff.
0: Yeah, m- most of them will will be at, will be will do what you want them to do. Yes, so I think so. Yeah, I would I would discuss with the vets actually what the best best way, best product yeah. to use. Um, but yes,
1: and that's been a common theme throughout all these podcasts. Is, is really that discussion with the vet is just to encourage that and and make everyone aware that the vet genuinely does want to have that conversation, that proactive um, conversation to stop the emergency call-out or the disaster, the firefighting situation.
0: Yeah, definitely. And if, you're, if, you're, if you're fortunate enough to be near a lab, you know, like in one of our labs in Grey, you can, as much as I'm aware, of, some people are too far, you know, so, so but your vets can come out and an on farm post-mortem or, or take some additional samples but also you can you then look to next year so thinking particularly about lungworm there is a vaccine for lungworm which i think is underused but it's it's you know it's the best way really of of protecting these animals and, and it's a good vaccine in that it relies on um you you would need to give it obviously earlier in the year um and and for for the vaccine to work well it relies on these animals being exposed to low level of lungworm to maintain that or to trigger that immunity but it's it's a it's a good way of um of of preventing lungworm definitely better than you know waiting until they become exposed to it and and it then causing damage to the lungs and any sort of damage to the lungs you know kind of does does knock the animals it makes them more likely to get sort of Extra or secondary pneumonia on top of that, or or, or it also kind of kind um, can affects their growth rates as well, you know, and and their productivity, you know, kind of reproductive potential, etc. So it's better really to try and manage it um, out of the options of warming or vaccines. Better to use the vaccine, really. So so that's why you get your vet out, um, okay, and and involved, you know, in kind of planning, controlling, diagnosing, and planning, you know.
1: And and we've had a good discussion with with Tim about the um the, the benefits of health planning and and the need for good health planning and certainly that that discussion about vaccines and prevention being better than cure always yeah. comes up in a health planning discussions, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Um, so Leslie, we are uh, obviously. At some folk will be housed, many folk will say, or most folk will be housed by now. I would, I would think, or certainly on to nearer on to winter rations. Um, wh- where are we at with regards to you know markets and and where the industry at just now?
2: Um, well, we've just come through a period of pretty strong prices across the board, um, fat trade, and particularly quite strong. Above four pound a kilo since about March, um, and it's still there. I mean, it's still at four, just shy of four twenty, I think, at the moment this week, and um, it seems stable. We're in the run up to Christmas. You would hope demand would um continue um to be strong. Numbers seem reasonably tight at the moment. They're not really forecast to increase considerably until we're into a kind of late spring twenty twenty two. So there's um you know good stability there on the end the end market. Um, in terms of stores they've been really strong on the back of that um all all through the autumn and the autumn sales have been really good. I think the edge is off them slightly as it tends to be um just as more of the finishers fill up there's obviously less of them looking um And some of the stronger, better cattle are sold earlier in the autumn. So the quality in the sales can uh, start to fall back slightly at this time of year. Um, And also there's a concern, obviously, about the rising input costs and the effect that will have on some of the longer keep store cattle. Um, You know, if if feed prices continue to be where they are and, and the fertilizer issue going on to grass, next spring summer you know some of those weaned calves that have a long keep ahead of them you know it's very difficult to estimate where that where the money is in them at the moment so so this the stores are still a good trade they're pro- just not as strong as they were um, and cull cows have been particularly strong this summer um, and they are the the price of them is coming back considerably at the moment as we would expect at this time of year just with more more numbers about with scanning and housing, and demand drops away at this time of year as the focus moves on to prime beef um, in the run-up to Christmas.
1: Yeah, and, and I suppose that those cull cows that come on the market too, I'm, I'm particularly thinking about my own cull cows from, you know, scanning results and things. Um, probably there's the, the, the cull cows you get through the summer that are planned as cull cows, that are well-fed, well-fleshed, you know, they a finished product whereas the ones that go now often are you know they're uh, they're going because they, they need to go to get no passengers get them out of the system absolutely mm-hmm. the right thing to do but maybe not a uh, not as well fleshed or as well presented to the um, to the buyers as well mm-hmm.
2: yeah there's a bit of drop in value on that kind yeah
1: yeah and i suppose one thing i would say is the there's a lot of doubt, you know, at the moment. But looking at input prices, it's pretty scary. And I think what we need to keep in mind is those input pi- prices are global commodities, and we're not that we're not isolated in this. That the globally, the cost of producing beef is, is rising. And with that in mind, there should be some some comfort that, you know, f- food food price inflation, I I think is definitely on the horizon, and um, we will need to get a little more for what we're selling down the line. Um, the market will have to respond to global global issues um as they are and and certainly the the scenario is it might not pay you to feed them but it certainly won't pay you not to feed them you know it's important to keep things thriving and moving through the winter to um to get the most value out of animals or the most profit out of animals at the other end um alwyn so we're now again back to housing and, and time of year so if we're looking at you know I suckle calves newly weaned suckle calves what what would your process be so what historically we would wean castrate dehorn clip does all in one day and get it all by you. what what are the priorities and what are the, the usually the, often the stumbling blocks and the big stressors in, a, in, in and around housing
0: yeah so we're coming into sort of what we call pneumonia season you know uh, uh, In-house in calves. So, um, yeah, when you list all the things that happen to these calves like that, it's quite a lot, isn't it? Like, a, um, so I, I think the first thing to do is it is to. I think we all know this, but it's quite clear that weaning is very stressful, you know, for the calf, um, and just just the weaning itself, being separated from his mother and being taken, you know, kind of it no longer getting milk and and on top of that you know they are um, you know mixed sometimes with with calves from different fields they could still be the same age perhaps you know um in some scenarios from different sources and they put in a new environment you know in closer contact they have to get used to a new diet um and um so all those things on top of just a we are winning is, is a huge amount of stress that happens um and you know the during stress you get a a rise in stress hormones and various stress hormones but and that's been shown to kind of knock the immune system you know so they have a less effective immune system um i mean this also happens at the same time as you get some um, w- w- you know when you get a decline in 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 maternal immunity so that that's maternal immunity. it's the immunity they would have obtained from the mother you know when they from colostrum so that is kind of declining at this time as well so that's another kind of um uh kind of uh, kind of weakness i suppose or or, some, or 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 a risk um and um Yes, so uh, there's a lot of factors, you know, affecting the calf at this time of year that can increase the risk of disease in house calves. So the most common we see is, is obviously pneumonia. Um, uh, I think that um, this, in terms of preventing pneumonia, and, and it's, it's almost, almost like too late now to be able to do an awful lot in terms of the sheds, etc., and ventilation, but but kind of the type of, of environment environments they go into does make a difference, you know. So if 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 the ventilation and, and the air quality is not good, you know, so if it's if there's a high level of moisture and and you haven't got a a, a good airflow, then that definitely increases the risk. Um, vaccination, you know, it's is in most cases it's it's a good idea and something to consider doing um again ideally we're the recommendation is to try and complete the vaccination course um at least two weeks before animals are housed and some of these vaccines need um need two courses you know a month or three weeks apart so i think again we're maybe this is slightly late to be talking about this, but, but I mean, I mean, it's not, okay, it's not too late, but ideally, and hopefully most people will be already be on it. If you have, if, if not, then I, st- I still think it's worth doing, you know, I wouldn't, I would, I don't think it's too late. Um, I think you will still get the benefit of the vaccine, perhaps not as much as if, if you've given it, you know, two weeks before housing. Um in terms of the procedures that you'll be carrying out so you've got this people will do different things but whether you you'll gather them in for vaccination you know they might um be gathered in for um other things such as uh if they if their backs are being clipped for example some people might still be castrating and dehorning for example so what you want to do is, is it's a good idea to try and spread these management tasks, you know, apart. So try not to do everything all at the same time, really. Um, and again, um, uh, yeah, it, 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 it varies at what stage you're at at the moment. But I would, you know, if you can't, if you think about it, that as if you try and do everything all at the same time, I think that is that is too much additional stress, you know, on an already stressed animal. You're kind of um you're kind of adding too much to the to that stress so i think um yeah try and spread those tasks apart sorry there's a lot there but yeah.
1: the castration one's an interesting one you know yeah there's not really there's obviously that, that there's occasional need for it but the castration of a big 300 kilo calf there's a lot of time prior to that that, that job can be done If it, if it needs to be done it can be done with less stress and certainly less pain um, you know, basically getting it done as as soon after birth as possible, if required, is is um, yeah. Yeah. usually a, a better option. Leslie, do you want to say anything about the the work that's been done at Easter Howgate and and moving towards bull beef systems and things?
2: Um, yes. Yeah, so there's a herd of autumn calving cow cows at Easter Howgate, um, and what they've been doing for certainly this last year or so is ai in the cows with sexed male semen um so that they in theory get the majority male calves i think they've had one heifer calf anyway um, so last year's bull calves were kept entire and they are now being sold or the majority of them are now sold just as their brothers are dropping on the ground Um, and the reason for this was to make use of the feed that they had available and try and finish the bulls as efficiently as possible on a financial and carbon perspective. And um, it, it seems to have worked well. Um, the, the biggest challenges have been getting sexed male semen at a commercial price. Um, but other than that, it has worked well. In, in their system. um, I don't
1: know what else to say about it. <laughs> um, it, it to me, it, it just right, and it, it's certainly not, it's not for everybody. You know, it's not a system that yeah. we would be promoting for all of Scot, Scotland's farmers to do, but certainly for Easter Howgate, which is, you know, the, the SRUC, one of SRUC's research farms, it's a, a good mixed farm. It's got a lot of arable ground and it's got a, you know, a good good access to reasonably cheap feed and it, it's it's interesting to see that massively efficient system and the other thing that that happens is the the autumn calving cow in that very efficient output system is actually a hill cow through the summer and she's away doing mm. her bit for biodiversity on the top of the pentland so it, you know it's a nice for the for the resources that that farm has it's been it's been quite an interesting, quite a nice thing to see, and it and it means because they're using sex semen, they're using pulled pulled sex semen, so the bulls pulled as well. Um, there's no mutilations to the calf. There's no, you know, it's actually quite a um, quite a pleasant place to be as a, as a bull, although you'll not be there for that particularly long. Um, I was just going to say that, as you said before, that the one challenge with it is that the bulls are.
2: In a time when there's a tight supply of prime cattle, bulls are sought after and well rewarded in terms of price. But it, it's always, you know, worth noting that if, if there is enough cattle about, bulls will tend to take a price drop, um, and certain processors just won't handle them. So it isn't a system that suits everybody. Um, it does limit your market outputs. But in this example, it was it was chosen to be. Um, a really efficient way of, as as you say, utilising the resources that Easter Howgate have.
1: Yeah. And I suppose we could do it with intensive steers as well, couldn't we, if it, if it, if it came to it, if that's what the market was needing. Um, there's an, op- an option that would obviously be a little older, but there's an option to do it as an intensive
2: steer. There are certainly guys out there that are doing a really good job of finishing steers on a bull beef system, possibly adding another month, longer than they would with the bulls um getting them to similar weights similar grades and um, yeah just a, a quite an efficient way to do it if you have the feed available you know it tends to be the guys with the homegrown cereals um, and plenty of them that can that can do that because it is a it's a you know an intensive cereal diet Um so so there is a cost element to it
1: and it also opens up a wider discussion we're not going to go into about inputs, carbon intensification versus grass fed. And there's a lot to discuss. And there's room. I think my message certainly is there's room for all of these systems. So there's a need for all of these systems to meet the supply and meet the demand for various types of types of product as well.
2: I think you're right. And as you highlighted for Easter Howgate, the cows doing the, the grass fed bit of the story and the calf's just making use of the the more intensive things that are available to it.
1: Another area, Leslie, I, I wondered. So obviously, finishing is your um, primary area of expertise. I suppose is um, what what about you know the suckled calf market? I, I often wonder that. So we talked about Alan talked about stress and weaning. What about those calves that are weaned straight in the lorry and straight into the market? How how do they go on and do, you know, in the in the weeks after they, um, after they're weaned and onto the onto the new farm? And how do we? I suppose Alwyn can come in there too. Is how do we mitigate that uh, the risks of of that level of stress?
2: It's a really difficult thing. Um, I think what you see in some calves that are have been creep fed. Um, before weaning, they don't they don't take the, stray, the same stress, obviously at weaning, so they're just that bit less stressed come that sale day. Sometimes the biggest challenge with those suckle calves is on the sale day the weather isn't on their side, and and some of those low roofed markets and there's no airflow. Um, it's it's quite a scary place to be, <laughs> to be honest, um, and and it's quite a concern. I think the guys that are buying those store calves sorry those suckle calves they 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 tend to know what they're doing with them they will have a good um sorry intake um procedures in terms of vaccinations and treatments and and things like that um but you're never gonna as al as Alwyn's already said you're never gonna mitigate all of that um when you're putting so much stress on that young animal um so it's, it, it is difficult but the it tends to be the guys that bicycle calves buy them every year. And so they have a way in their system of dealing with those stressed calves and and reducing the risk to them. Um, I would assume that their sheds are particularly well ventilated and that they don't tend to, to mix the calves. The day they buy those calves, that'll be the day they're mixed. In terms of what comes home will be the same in that pen. Um, and they won't be mixing with other animals that have been there. Um, longer I suppose um, which helps reduce stress a little bit um, but yeah I think sometimes depending on the weather some of these guys have quite scary weeks post purchase where where pneumonia and, and, and those kind of bugs can just go right through their cattle which is not the best
1: um, And Would it be fair to say Alwyn the best Cure or the best treatment for all of that is communication between this the seller and the buyer. You know what what's happened, what hasn't happened, what have they had? You know how valuable is that conversation?
0: Oh, extremely valuable, I would say. You know, kind of know what's been done already. You know what kind of you know what kind of management these calves have been under before they they came to the new holding. is it, it will for to the new keeper it will be very valuable. I I I would say yeah. Because yeah, there's there, it's not an ideal situation with the like Leslie was saying, you know, huge amounts of stress of transportation and sales, and being in the market, etc. So, um, so but being able to you know kind of um, uh, um, you know kind of ensure that they're on the correct vaccination protocol is is, is essential. Um. You know, if possible, that they go on this onto a similar sort of diet would be good as well. Obviously, that's not always practical, and also I think not mixing, you know, or keeping them in the same group, you know, particularly for the first couple of weeks, you know, is 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 key as well. I would say, but to to you know to try and mitigate into a very difficult situation anyway.
1: Yeah. And mm. I mean, it's obviously the system obviously works. It's a growing you know there's a growing demand for those suckled calves that um there's a big argument from the suckler end of things is to to carry more cows and you know be, be more specialist and, and churn out more suckled calves and keep it keep the system simple um so that it's not we're certainly not discouraging the the sale of suckled calves it's a very efficient system at both ends um but you know there's that communication to me is so as and as you've said, Alwyn, it's so important, most most powerful thing we can do.
0: Oh absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely not discouraging it, yeah, no, no, no.
2: I think as an industry though, Robert, we could we could do better in that the, the sellers of the suckle calves should recognise that it add, it should add value to have the vaccination already done and that and that animal be animal potentially be less of a pneumonia risk than an unvaccinated vaccinated animal and see that value in the whole chain. And this is where the lack of feedback and communication in the chain comes into play. Um, Because uh, it tends to be that once they're sold, it's not their problem. And um, that there's a lot of value in a healthy calf um, to get the real potential. If you've gone to the effort of raising that calf and rearing that calf, if you you want it to go on and do the best it can do. So give it the best you can do by Having it like fully vaccinated, you know, to reduce that pneumonia risk on it, and then the next guy gets uh-huh. more of a chance on
1: it. And then they they do well, the calves do well for, or the calves do mm-hmm. well for them. They get a decent trade for them, and then that buyer is at their side of the ring, bidding next year, pushing hard, trying to get them. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, that it's a real, it's not a cost, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and communication now with you know apps and the ease of recording things really has never it's never been easy easier to report back you know what what's happened what um what these calves have had and and crucially what they've not had as well but as you say give them everything they need before they go to to that's where we should get to is appreciating the value of having done these treatments prior to prior to sale Mm
0: -hmm, yes
1: So, Alan, again, we're, um, you know, obviously, into the autumn, early winter, um, calves are weaned. You know, we're, we're assuming the calves are weaned or housed. What about what about those cows? So, you know, PDing will be ongoing. The one question, some and sitting in the southwest, and we've had quite a lot of rain, uh in the last few while. What what are we seeing with regards to fluke? There's a lot of people assuming the life cycle will be broken and everything's fine. Where where do you stand on on liver fluke for this year, or risk for liver fluke?
0: Yeah, so we're we're into that time of year when we see fluke. Um, I think this year um there's likely to be less risk relative to other years because we've had a bit of a dry summer, or we've had the dry summer, um, and it's um the reason being that there's been um. It's it's been um, less favorable to the snail, or to, and to the snail survival, and it's been it's been less favorable habitat for the snail because of drywood. Having said that, you know the, it does not call completely eliminate eliminates that risk, and there will still be um, wet areas, you know, where where the snail populations are maintained. Therefore, there is still a risk. Um but we expect there to be less of risk this year. We're we're seeing already kind of um positive results, you know, coming through our our diagnostic uh lab. Um so there is definitely fluke out there. Um yeah, so I mean it's a case of whether you need to treat for fluke um will vary according to farm um i think you need to consider um the history whether you do have a history of fluke on your farm um and um y- it might be appropriate to test so there's various ways of doing that um you can one one good way of doing it actually is is to use the blood sample so you need to get your vet out to take the samples but you can use the calves as sentinel animals so um, so the idea being that um, if the calves have been grazing the grass, you know, the same grass as all the other uh, animals in the in the in the group have been grazing, so if they've been exposed to it, they will have antibodies, um, you know, sort of two to three weeks after exposure in their blood. So that's a useful measure. The problem, the reason why we choose calves is is because adult cattle can have historic antibodies in their blood um and that could you know it's very difficult to know so if you're finding a positive result in an adult you know it's hard to know when when was the animal exposed you know whereas a spring calf you know with antibodies would indicate that the animal had been exposed this year so that's a good way of 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 helping you decide you know it could be in a situation where do i have a problem with fluke at all you know so that's a good that could would give you a good answer especially if you sample about six calves particularly if you sample the largest calves as well because they'd be more like they'd be eating more the most grass Um, um the other way of doing it is to do is to do fecal testing you know so you could um that relies on the fluke being in the adult stage in the in the liver of the cattle So that you know, kind of, if you do that too early, when the fluke is still immature, you you would end up with a negative result. So the benefit of the blood test is that you can get a a a result at an earlier stage of infection. So, um, so you know, if you do, and then if you do kind of, um, if you know you have a problem with fluke, or testing has shown that you've you've got fluke there, then then you know, it's appropriate to treat them. You know, and there's there's a A few options available there right one thing with with treatment is uh, there's a couple of options um which is a chemical but it's treated as Trodex uh, it's now no longer available to us so
1: is that something Alwyn do you think that'll come back or is it off is it off label not not coming back
0: I I'm not I, I assumed it was not coming back but I don't know for sure I have to admit um which may which leaves us with one less option um, there's obviously t- the 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 other drug that that acts similarly or, or on a similar age animals to nitroxenil structureda is is clostantil you know so and that's present in in various um, products um, and either as usually as a poron on um, or actually I think it comes as a neural drench as well but anyway um so that you've got you've got the or the other one is is triclobendazole um i mean most ca- in cattle is 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 you probably don't need to be using triclobendazole it's it's triclobendazole is is good because it targets uh, the mature fluke as well whereas um closantal you know only acts on on fluke when they're about you know six to eight weeks onwards. And in most, and in, in cattle, that usually does that's the job okay. And usually what people do is they wait about six weeks after housing before they treat against, against, um, fluke. The only thing, one thing to, to note about Closantil is that we, we do occasionally see cases of toxicity, um, associated with Closantil. So it's to do with either with overdosing with Closantil. So it's quite important to, um, to, to, to dose correctly according to the weight um or, or is sometimes because of other cattle kind of licking the product from from each other's back as well so that's and that's more difficult to control but as long as you're kind of following you know the you know what was recommended on the data sheet with regards to application and you know not over, overdosing it then then you shouldn't have a problem and, and the and the science of toxicity usually is kind of neurological science and, and cattle appearing blind um so that's just something to be aware of if you're using
1: closantal for the first
0: time this year yeah
1: and leslie are you seeing more obviously technologies uh, picking up a pace are you seeing more folk a uh, dozing to weight, you know, making use of a weight crush and making use of, of data that way to, to try and save on product and also uh, make sure we're dozing to, the, dozing to the correct weight.
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely a move. The guys there with, you know, weight crates that are weighing regularly, um, UCEIDs obviously helped move that forward. And um, they're just, as you say, they're weighing them and actually dozing per the weight of the animal standing in front of them not on an average of a batch or on a guess of what you think your cows might be because generally we all know we're about 100 kilos wrong when we guess what our cow weight is um so there's definitely um definitely a move towards that and the, and the cost saving alone is is an incentive to think about doing that on on batches of cattle um and i think we've got to be it's maybe not Um, specific for this, but we've got to be more aware that the antimicrobial, I can't even say the word, antimicrobial resistance that's going on um, generally in the world, um, or antibiotic resistance would be a better word, um, is a concern, is a a health concern for humans going forward, and I think we have to be more aware of what we're treating animals with, and and alternatives, um, and reducing our treatments of that kind of medicine um, and I think I think that'll be forced upon us yet yeah. as um, it's a major it's a major health issue and um, perhaps not in the beef sector but certainly within the pig and poultry sector it's, it's a major issue but it will it will impact us all so I think the more targeted we can be with our
1: treatments the better generally. It's an interesting one you know we spend a lot of our time um, not defending but we we spend a lot of time discussing you know carbon and discussing efficiency and how we can get better and how we can you know what farming's role in climate change is. and there's a very positive story to tell there but when it comes to the antimicrobial stuff there's a lot of work to be done and there's there's no real place that we know why we use them but we need to get away we need to adapt systems and and, and alter things to mean that we we can make massive reductions because a, a real global need to to preserve these really valuable products i'm i'm conscious of um, with a uh, discussing antimicrobials without bringing the vet in would be uh, wouldn't be appropriate so Alan, do you have anything to add on that one <laughs> yeah
0: no no you no uh, yes yeah, it's very it's it's i think we yeah it's important we we try and reduce and and, and vets are under pressure now to you know to to prescribe less um and i, th- I think well, coming back to, you know, the health planning and, and getting a vet involved, I think is, is part of the solution. I think, you know, so you have, um, you know, you've you've got preventative measures in place um, and you've got a plan of, of what antibiotics or, or how you're going to choose which antibiotics you're going to use when you do have a problem, you know. So, um, you know, there's sampling uh, and in some cases sampling and, and culturing and, and, and Doing antibiotic sensitivity testing in order to see what antibiotics are effective uh, uh, are useful in, in 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 some circumstances, you know, to to make sure you're using the right antibiotics So, um, yeah. So, those, so, but I I think that getting a vet involved in
1: health planning is 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 a big part of the solution. Really, yeah, it's quite quite interesting. My my brother's uh he's a general surgeon, so he comes at this from a very different angle and he quite often comes down and helps at lambing time which is great um, but when it comes to anything that's getting a jag there is quite a lot of scrutiny gets put on <laughs> on me you know what's the problem and quite often the answer is I don't really know and they, the next question is what's causing the problem and always the answer is I don't really know um, but you know we do we are quite needle happy we do you know we, we lash a lot of product about and you Usually it works, but we again we it, that you know we're better than that. You know, there's there's more we can do. I think there's um, a lot of value in developing better systems to uh, target those good those the right drug in the right place for the for the right problem.
0: It's hard, you know, because I I think that in cases of for take pneumonia for example, in an ideal world you'd you'd find out what the bacteria is causing it. You'd you'd kind of then you'd, you'd run your sensitivity test against a range of antibiotics and you find out which one works and, and then you treat it with that that would be the ideal situation but there's no time for that you know you can't you know you're, you're in, a, in a difficult situation because if you wait the animal will not survive or the pneumonia will get worse you know and and um it's it's uh, it's difficult there are situations where that is is probably possible you know um, and you can actually do it retrospectively as well. You can just start them on, on a, on an antibiotic, you know. And again, I would recommend be guided by a vet, you know, and, cause some, certain antibiotics are better than others at, at treating certain body systems and certain disease conditions. So, um, but even then you could still, you know, if you had a sample pre-treatment, you can get that tested and then you'd know for next time, you know, kind of, you you, it can gain okay it might not be useful this time but for next time or for another animal it's useful so um and then other things you know quite often you know anti-inflammatories also help a lot you know kind of just as much as the antibiotics sometimes so um yeah it's 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 a tricky one really um to get right
1: and pneumonia you know these issues are all, are always going to be an issue. We're not gonna uh, get rid of them altogether, but we know from you know what we've discussed today ventilation um vaccination you know all these preventative measures and there's so much we can do to reduce the burden of that that disease and if we ca- if we can eliminate a lot of cases of the disease, we can obviously drive down um antimicrobial usage usage and and also improve output from our business because we, we we miss out on that big growth check and things that comes with um ill health, yeah. health and, and disease. And
0: only treating the ones that are needed as well. I think, you know, a blanket treatments is is controversial really treating everything in the group is it's a bit controversial. And using things like, you know closely monitor them, using you know, measuring body temperatures and that kind of thing can be really useful way of picking up animals that are in the early stages and, and need treatment, you know, sort of. Um, so, so, so that's something to consider as well.
1: Yeah, and and it's I find it really exciting at the moment for a lot of reasons, but how, how quickly technology is moving and how, how, how many things are coming online or about to come online that are going to help us with this type of stuff and allow us to run, mo- you know, individual labour units to run, more stock much much better than we used to do it because we can you know early warning signs and and monitors Mm. you know are going to be such an important part of of a certainly beef systems going forward yeah 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 so that's been really interesting i've certainly thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today i am conscious of everyone's time i and i just want to take this opportunity to Thank Alwyn and Leslie both very much for, for contributing today uh, and certainly look forward to speaking to um, other speakers in our, our Sheep Focus podcast, uh, which will be available next month. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers.